Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. And now a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. No one has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. If I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. As ever, it's my privilege to be with you this morning. As we begin, let's take just a minute to create a little space inside ourselves to bring our whole selves into this moment. Start where your feet are and bring the rest of you there, your mind, your spirit, your breath. Picture creating a little open space in your chest, open for whatever God might want to whisper to you in the next couple minutes. In this passage, Jesus is praying for his disciples, a group of men that he knew well, that he loved, that had been a major part of his life and ministry on earth. This is just before he's arrested, charged, and crucified. He knows he's leaving them. And in this prayer, he's entrusting them to his father's care. I feel like as you read it, you can feel the love that he has for these men. He cares about them. He cares about their lives and their hearts and their health, their ministry and growth, their relationships to each other. It's a very brotherly, affectionate, loving prayer. And I think this prayer is a pattern that we can learn from and use as we pray for the people that we love. 
I've been a Christian nearly all my life, and my faith has shifted in all sorts of ways over the years. While I've learned and unlearned many aspects of faith, perspective, and practice, prayer has remained central. It's always been a through line of my life in a, as a Christian, and in the last year or so, it's become a lifeline. Because prayer is a way to entrust the people we love to God, especially when things feel out of our control. And I have felt that out of control feeling so acutely this last year. Prayer is acknowledging that we're not in control, but that someone is. There is a God who holds us, who holds it all, who's trustworthy and powerful, who's more than strong enough to hold the enormity of our fear and worry. Many years ago, I asked my pastor how often you should pray for the same thing, and this is what he said, pray as often as you need to, to hold the worry and fear at bay. If that's 10 times a day, pray 10 times a day. If it's 100 times a day, pray 100 times a day, because God has an unlimited capacity to hear our prayers. And when you love someone the way God loves us, you never get tired of hearing about what matters most to them. So there are four things that Jesus prays for his disciples. Union, protection, joy, and sanctification. Union is the mystical, beautiful interconnectedness between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what he wants for his disciples, to live in a supportive, interconnected, loving way with one, with one another. The second is protection. Jesus asks his Father to protect his disciples, particularly to protect them from evil. John O'Donohue says that when we bless someone, we hold them in a protective circle of light. What a lovely image. The third thing is joy, and I love that Jesus prays for joy in the lives of his disciples. It reminds me of an earlier passage in John when Jesus says that he have, has come so that we may have life and have it to the full. When we pray according to this pattern, we ask God to bring joy and abundance and delight to the people we love. And then the last one is sanctification. That's the ongoing process of being formed into Christ-likeness, growing in love, mercy, patience, honesty, desire for justice. These are the things that Jesus prays for this group of the people that he loves. And it's a pattern that we can follow as we pray for the people that we love. What this pattern makes me think of, of course, is a recipe. I mean, if you know me, almost everything makes me think of a recipe. I love to cook, I love to read cookbooks, and as we look at this prayer, I want us to look at it like a recipe. Thomas Keller has a way of thinking about recipes that I just love. Keller is a very accomplished chef. His restaurants, the French Laundry in California and Per Se here in New York, are widely considered two of the best restaurants in the world. This is what he says about recipes. I love it so much, and I want you to think about it in terms of this prayer. He says, the first time you use a recipe, do it exactly as written. Follow every direction, every measurement. That way, you taste what the recipe writer or the chef had in mind exactly. Then the next time, you rewrite the recipe in your own words as simply as possible. You're moving from their language to your language. Once you've rewritten the recipe your way, make the dish according to your new recipe. The third time, you make it only from memory and you make at least one change. You switch out a vegetable or you change a spice, something to make it different from the original. Keller says that after you've made it for the third time, the recipe is yours. You've internalized it. It's not a recipe in a cookbook. It's in you. It's part of you. Several weeks ago, when I started thinking and praying about this text, I started to do this. I started to pray this pattern for four people in my life every day. 
I prayed for our kids, for my husband, Aaron, and for a friend. And the first couple times I did it, I used these four words, union, protection, joy, sanctification. I wrote out my prayers so I could be specific and detailed. It was very moving to pray for each of our kids, to entrust them to God's care. I mean, I pray for my kids in general, but the pattern and the specificity was really meaningful. I wrote about specific things that would bring joy to Mac or real situations in which I want Henry to be protected from any harm. I prayed for Aaron, that he would have a strong sense of connection and support from me and from our community. The next couple times I prayed while I was walking in the city, I prayed for union, protection, joy, sanctification. I prayed for Henry, all four words, for Mac, all four words, for Aaron, all four words, for my friend, all four words. After that, I chose a different four words and started using those, kind of my own words that get at the same thing. Instead of union, support, instead of protection, blessing, instead of joy, delight, instead of sanctification, Christ-likeness. I was making the prayer my own, my own words and rhythms and practices. I prayed it in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, which is like all the time. I prayed it when I was making dinner. As I chopped vegetables, I prayed those four words for those four people. After that, Instead of praying in words and sentences, I closed my eyes and imagined a snapshot of each thing. For union, I pictured my friend surrounded by family. For protection, I pictured Max safe in our home. For joy, I imagined Aaron laughing at something one of our kids says. True delight written on his face. For sanctification, I pictured Henry praying at bedtime. I found that this pattern of praying, these four words were starting to feel natural, like something that was a part of me, that was bubbling up in me, something that I embodied, not something that I memorized or performed. And I noticed that I felt more connected throughout the day to the four people that I was praying for. I felt more aware of my kid's safety instead of taking it for granted. I noticed when Aaron said something about a friendship that he appreciated or something that brought him joy in the course of a day. I became more attuned to them, to their lives and spirits and desires and frustrations, and then I prayed for those things too. Praying for the people I love was helping me to see them in deeper ways, to love them in deeper ways. It was cyclical. More prayer yielded more attentiveness to their lives, which inspired me to more prayer, and so on. I love what this practice has brought to our family life. But I also want to tell you why I chose to pray for this particular friend. I chose to pray for them because our friendship has been badly broken. And that brokenness has caused me so much pain. This friend has been a part of my life for a long time. Someone I respect, someone I've learned so much from. A difficult situation came between us and it brought out the worst in both of us and I've tried to fix it and I can't. And living with a broken relationship to, to someone that I care so much about bothers me every day. It's like having a splinter in your heel that you feel with every step. You never forget. You're always carrying the weight of this broken relationship. I talked with my therapist about it. I talked with my spiritual director about it. And they both recommended that I begin to pray for this person, not even necessarily for our friendship, but for that person, for their life, for their heart, for their well-being and happiness. And so I began to pray for them. What I love about this pattern of prayer is that it isn't a free-for-all, and it can't be turned into a laundry list of what Shauna thinks is right. We've all prayed those prayers. Dear God, please help this other person to see the error of their ways. Dear God, please open their eyes. Dear God, please give me the patience to deal with the mess they've made. I didn't do that. 
I prayed for union that my friend would be as connected and supported and encircled in love and wisdom as God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are. I prayed that they would have that kind of sacred bolstering communion in their life, even while I'm not in it. I prayed that at some point I would be a part of that with them again. I prayed for protection, that they will be kept safe, body, spirit, and heart, and that nothing would cause them pain, not even me. I prayed for joy. This was the hardest one, to be honest, because I experienced such sorrow in our disconnection. To pray for joy in their life felt a little bit like I was saying, I hope what's broken between us doesn't bother you or make you feel any pain. But that's what I did. I asked God to bring joy into their life every day. I thought about some specific things that they love, experiences or moments that I know would be joyful for them, and even though I won't be a part of them, I asked God to bring those moments and experiences into their life. And then I prayed for their sanctification, their ongoing process of Christlikeness, that they'll be brave and kind and generous, growing in tenderness, love for others, willingness to stand up for what's right. I prayed every day for this person. And I wish I could tell you that while I was praying for them, the phone rang and the silence between us was broken, or that I opened my eyes, pushed away from my desk, and ran to catch a flight to show up on their doorstep. Maybe one of those things is coming, maybe not. I don't know. The more life I live, the more certain I am that movie moments only happen in the movies, but I also know this. If things are gonna be repaired between my friend and I, it's only going to happen because we're both humble and tender enough to drop our defenses, lay down our anger, connect across the distance we've created together. And after a couple weeks of praying for them like this every day, with words, with imagination, with love, and with God's supernatural ability to shape and shift our hearts as we pray, God has not yet healed the relationship, but he has healed something in my heart in such a way that I believe nearly anything can happen. Prayer is like yoga for our insides. My number one favorite kind of yoga is the kind that's mostly breathing and laying down. But my second favorite kind is when you're in a pose that's really demanding. And for just a few seconds, you trust your body and you trust your breath. And in that moment, you're able to do something you were never able to do before. And it's an amazing feeling. This is the sacred, invisible, interior version of that. When we pray for people with whom we have difficult or painful relationships, God works lovingly and very powerfully inside of us, rebuilding and restoring us, shaping us into the kinds of people who forgive and repair and give second chances, the kinds of people we all want to be but can't always get there on our own. This is what prayer can do. This is what God can do. This is my invitation to you this week. Pray this prayer, these four words, every single day for a handful of people you love. Start with the four words and then make it your own, your own words, your own rhythm, your own embodied and personal way of entrusting your family and friends to God through prayer, the way that Jesus entrusted his disciples to his Father through prayer. And here's my challenge. Include someone with whom you have a complicated or broken relationship. Relationships are always challenging. Throw in a pandemic and travel restrictions and fear and isolation and chaos and all of us spending way too much time watching the news or scrolling through social feeds. This is sort of a perfect storm. 
I don't know anyone, not anyone, who hasn't hit a small to medium to very large, very large roadblock in at least one relationship in their lives. I know mothers and daughters who aren't speaking to each other at this point. I know of long-standing invitations to family gatherings that have been rescinded for the first time ever. I know friends who've stopped trying to find common ground despite decades of shared history. I'm not an expert in prayer or friendship or just about anything. But I do know that just a couple weeks of this way of praying has loosened something inside of me that has been clenched like a fist for a long time. Prayer changes us. It's God's sacred tool, able to transform and rebuild us from the inside out, day by day, breath by breath, prayer by prayer. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.